Your first eight guys maybe should be blue plate specials, but those back five guys, they should be more like tin hats, more guys that are grunt players, garbage players that dive for the ball. You are listening to the Scrambled Eggs Podcast on CrackedSidewalks.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Scrambled Eggs, your unofficial Marquette basketball podcast here on CrackedSidewalks.com. Joe McCann and Phil Bush are here with you to talk about your first place Marquette Golden Eagles. How does yeah. that sound? And, and and we won't mention any of the other teams that are in first place because it's Marquette's definitely in first place. Marquette is in first place. Uh, actually, did I screw that up? Are there games on Sunday that I forgot about? There were games. Yeah. Okay, you know what? Let me start that over because... All right. Oh, well, I guess they are in first place, but I'm going to start it up. Let's start the podcast over because I first, okay. like, they were alone in first place when we finished our game, but now they're tied. They're still okay. in first place. Fair right, enough. Like, let's reboot, reboot. All right. Well, we'll pretend okay. it never happened. Yeah. Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Scrambled Eggs, your unofficial Marquette basketball podcast here on CrackSidewalks.com. Joe McCann and Phil Bush here with you to talk about your first place Marquette Golden Eagles. Yeah, and we don't need to talk about anyone else that's in first place. Just knowing that Marquette is in first place is enough. Exactly. They were alone in first for about 24 hours, I guess, after the DePaul game. And then games on Sunday happened. And so we have uh, three teams tied at the top. But, man, Phil, uh, I, let's just, just marinate on that a little bit. We're going to do our usual routine. We're going to talk about the week that was, the week that's coming up. Touch on National Marquette Day a little bit at the end. But uh, just marinate on that for a little bit. Team that was picked ninth. Both of our projections in the preseason were a little better than that, not significantly better. Mine was middle of the pack. Yours was maybe upper third, basically, where we've had them. Even the most optimistic among us could not have imagined Marquette would be a first-place team past the halfway point of the Big East season. Yeah, the, the, I mean, the, the fact that, you know, Alan Bukowski and, and myself were probably the most optimistic from a record standpoint, and we were not optimistic enough should tell you, like, I guess, quite quite frankly, how unexpected this, this season and this performance has been. Um, but I think the other piece of that is not only is it is it unexpected, but, like, you know, if you look at it, it's not exactly smoke and mirrors, right? Like it's 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 not like it's a an overperformance where where they're getting lucky or like they they are dominating teams, and it's really kind of cool. Yeah, nothing. We said this I think last week or maybe the week before that the way they've been playing does not feel fluky at this point because we have essentially gotten the same team almost every week. Hasn't meant necessarily a win every week, but it has more often than not. But We've been getting similar effort, similar results. The offense is elite, number one in the country on Ken Palm. The defense, last I look, cracked the top 70. Where is it? Oh, we're, we're, 69. Nice, nice. Nice. So, number one on defense, number one on offense, number 69 on defense. They force turnovers on defense to make up for some of the other things they don't do as well. They are still elite at getting to the basket, getting two-point baskets. They're number one in the country in two-point field goal percentage. And uh, the three-point shooting has improved from last year. And, boy, uh, three-point percentage for one player in particular was through the roof on Saturday. The job wagon is back, baby. Oh, man, what a performance from David Joplin. I think he's, like, the only player other than Marcus Howard to, uh, in, like, the last ten years to make that many threes, I think the stat was. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, you look at most three-pointers in a game, it's like Marcus Howard, Marcus Howard, Marcus Howard, Marcus Howard, David Joplin, Marcus Howard, uh... 
but uh, yeah, he he was locked in. He had been kind of quiet offensively for a few games, Phil, after you know some early season explosions that got us really excited. Um, but boy, he was absolutely locked in. It was, and he was really one of the, one of the differences in the game. Uh, in the road trip to DePaul, which, you know, as always, will give you some anxiety at some point. But, uh, you know, the way the game was going, I I never really thought the win was in doubt because I felt like DePaul was getting lucky. It was just a matter of Marquette's offense turning it up a notch. Boy, it did, thanks in large part to Mr. Joplin. Yeah, well, and, and you know, what, what's kind of crazy, we talk about what, you know, Marquette being an elite offense, I, we should probably classify in the elite category halftime adjustments from this team, right? Like, I, you know, this is not the first game by a long shot where Marquette has, you know, been fine in, in the first half, um, but certainly isn't blowing away teams. And then in the second half to absolutely go ballistic, um, you know, and it's always different players, right? There's a Cam Jones half or there's, you know, is it the case for DePaul? There was the David Joplin half, right? Like all of those the you know the second half of games seem to be where Marquette's like no seriously we're 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 done uh, we're done here we're 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 just gonna go ahead and take a, a nice solid t- double digit win to uh, back to Milwaukee with us and and that's what we saw uh, this weekend with a lot of Marquette fans in attendance and I gotta say this might have been one of my favorite <laughs> favorite wins of the season just just because of the the circumstances and. You know, we were all worried about this DePaul game, and you know, here we go. David Joplin goes ballistic, and and we get a uh, an extremely uh, strong win over a you know, admittedly not good DePaul team, but you know, hey, you can only play the games in front of you, and winning big down in DePaul when you're coming off a break. You had Cam Jones with an injury, Sean Jones with an injury. It it appeared DePaul, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, DePaul declared war on the Jones brothers. Um, you know, so yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was kind of crazy. Yeah. Shouts to all the fans who showed up, uh, on television, it almost sounded 50, 50. I don't know what the final percentages look like, uh, as far as the official gate and fans in the arena, but uh, the, the cheers when Marquette made buckets were seemingly just as loud as when DePaul made buckets, uh, watching it on TV. So the Marquette crowd was loud and proud on Saturday. That was great to see. And we mentioned Joplin. He was one part. But also, uh, Tyler Kolick almost pulled off the first Marquette triple-double in 20 years. I, I couldn't, you know, like, I, at, like late in that second half, he had, like, 16, 8, and 8. And I was thinking, eh, man, well, he can get a triple-double. And then I was trying to think, when was the last one? And obviously everyone remembers Wade in the Elite Eight. I'm like, surely we've had one since then, but we haven't. That right. was the last one. It, it, like I know, like triple doubles are pretty hard to get in college basketball, just given the, you know, how many minutes are played, and just I guess just the nature of the game and rotations. But um, yeah, Marquette has not had one. I guess I don't even guess when I think about it, who I think could have possibly gotten one since Wade. But uh, man, Kolick was really close, and I know I don't know how much he knew about his stat line when he was pulled from the game with like a minute and a half to go. But there had to be something, whether it was at that moment or when he looked at the box score after the game, when he thought, "Dude, can I just get in there and have somebody throw one up and then give me one more rebound and get this triple double?" But Kolick was outstanding. Yeah, well, absolutely. And and Shaka in the post game did say that uh, that Kolick talked him into. Uh, staying in a little longer than he wanted because Shaka was like, no, we, we can't have something happen to you, man. We got to, we, we got to, and he's like, just leave me in. So Kolek, at least in the moment, 
knew he was close and he almost got it. You know, Stevie Mitchell, I think, I don't know that he totally realized that how close Kolick was to it. And so he, uh, um, you know, he kind of tried to, to, to kind of deflect a rebound Tyler's way, but you know, the, the, the local statistician at DePaul is not going to, you know, is not going to give you the, uh, the, the triple double on the, uh, on the away court. So it was close, but <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean that the again, I think the the key to this is that the you know the team is continuing to to have I, I didn't get a chance before the pod to look at it, but we've had to have had at least seven different players lead Marquette in a game with uh, as the lead scorer, right? Like so you've had Joplin, you've had Kolek, you've had Cam Jones, you've had Omax, you've had Oso Igadaro. Um, Stevie Mitchell led in, in, uh, in the Nova, the Nova game. game, right? You know, so that's six. Um, and then did I say David Joplin already? Uh, I think you did say Joplin. So yeah. So all the starters plus Joplin. Yeah. Which that's, that's, that's kind of crazy, right? To have six different players on a roster lead, lead the, the, the team in scoring for a, at least one game. That's, that's balance. Yeah, it's it's good to have options, and and you touched on it earlier to get through that game with uh, very little from Cam Jones because he 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 tried to gut it out for a little while there, but then he just couldn't go in the second half, and then Sean Jones was gone the entire game. Uh, a little nervous about that going forward, how those guys are going to be affected as we get into some tougher games here coming up. But the fact that you know some guys probably played more minutes than Shaka would have liked. Um. You know, he was just just dealing with a thin bench, basically, and knowing you can't take guys out when they're looking a little tired or maybe a little foul trouble, which I guess foul trouble really wasn't much of an issue in that game, but uh, found a way to win and win convincingly, win and cover. <laughs> I think <laughs> a few people saying, look, I don't care what the score is at halftime. We're going to go ahead and cover. So I'm going to take the live line on the cover. And that worked out beautifully. So, right. Just to basically you take care of business. That's all you can ask for against the lower tier opponents in the Big East. That was, uh, as far as the net goes, that was Marquette's lowest rated game in the Big East as far as the worst opponent. They still have uh, several more to go as far as the Q3 and Q4 games. They still have both games against Butler, both games against, or one game against Georgetown. So yeah, I guess the Georgetown game was probably their lowest rated so far. Uh, then DePaul after that. But they still have one more against DePaul, one more against Georgetown, two more against Butler. And then a home game against St. John's, which is in the Q3 range, I believe. But t- just take care of business. And if you take care of business down the stretch, you're going to get to double-digit wins in the conference. Well, you only need one more of those. I mean, you're going to get to 12 wins in the conference easily if you do that. And then if you win some of these tough ones, you know, Marquette is the betting favorite right now to win the Big East title. It's very close between them and Xavier uh, at the moment. But Marquette, if you're looking to pay- place a wager on them to win the Big East championship, uh, the odds aren't as good now as they were three, four weeks ago. Right. Yeah. Well, and, you know, and again, Pro, uh, you know, Xavier and Providence are, are probably the, the two competitors, right? Like Creighton's coming on and, and, uh, um, and UConn still hanging around. So it's, it, it's very much still a potential for a five-way race. Um, mm-hmm. But, but those teams by and large have to play each other, right? I mean, we've, we, we don't have to play Providence anymore. Um, uh, so we have one against UConn, one against Creighton, and one against Xavier. But teams like like Xavier have to play have to play Marquette. They have to play Providence twice. 
Um, mm-hmm. They have to. Eh, that's about it. I mean, they have to play Seton Hall, but eh. yeah, we kind of touched on this last week. That of the top contenders, Marquette does have the softest, biggest right. schedule remaining. Right, right, right. And if and if we're looking at it, I, I think Providence looks just. You know, they've probably got the most. Now it gives them opportunities, right? But but Providence has Xavier twice. They have Connecticut on the road. They've got Creighton at home, so that's that's four tough games compared to our three versus Xavier's three, and then Connecticut. Uh, they've got um, they've got Marquette, they've got Creighton, they've got Providence. So they've got three, and then Creighton probably has one of the tougher schedules, I think. Yeah. So they got you. Yeah. Go ahead. UConn is the weird one. UConn is the weird one because they have six Big East losses, but they're the highest-rated Ken Palm team still because even when they lose, they lose with good metrics, like good efficiency. Like They, they never get blown out, really. Uh, they usually, even in their losses, they play well, and so it's good for the metrics. So they, they're still going to be favored, especially in their home games against most of their remaining opponents. So like they're one that they're down in the standings because they've got those six losses, but they you're glad that, some, maybe some of these teams have to play them twice and they can maybe do you a favor and uh, hand some of these other contenders some losses. Right, right, absolutely. So it's, you know, Marquette is very much in, in control of its destiny, right? I think that's that's the key takeaway is um, if, they can, if they can win the Q3, Q4, you know, then they really only have to, I, I still think, 15 and 5 probably gets them a share of the title and and 16 and 4 probably wins it outright. Um so they they you know they have a two game margin so to speak to to play with. Now it depends on who you win or lose to, right? Like at this point you would rather beat a Xavier but lose to a Yukon, right? Because you have more you have more space between you and a UConn than you do you and a Xavier, right? Because we're yeah, tired. you want to give Xavier that that one loss. Because yeah, I mean you're right as far as controlling their destiny. Now, not that I expect this to happen, but if Marquette does win out, they will be the, I guess they will de- at very worst share, but very likely be the outright Big East champions. Because then you would give Xavier your, their their third loss, and then you would just need Providence to lose one to literally anyone because then you would have you would also have uh, but you know you would have split the head to head with Providence you just need them to lose one more but yes hypothetically Marquette definitely controls its own destiny to at least share and likely win the Big East title but uh, again I don't expect them to win out just because that's difficult to do in any major conference yeah well absolutely and 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 I mean you got two tough road games I mean let's let's be honest Creighton you know we caught Creighton at a at a good time when when we beat them simply because Kalkbrenner makes you know Kalkbrenner is essentially the Oso Igadaro of 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 Creighton right like he he stirs the drink for them and and is is critical to their They are significantly better with him is like the understatement of the year because like when they hit their lull is when he was out with Mono and like now that he's got his legs under him again uh they look like they look like one of the better teams in the league again right right exactly so so it's, I just it's just crazy to me that 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 Marquette has nine games left, and we're talking about well, you know, if they can in in like realistic terms, like it's not like we're 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 crazy or just you know pulling stuff out of our butt, but we're in realistic terms going well. If they only lose one or two more, they win the they win the conference, right? Like like with 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 nine games to go, that's that's nuts. And I think the other thing um, that. 
you know, I, we talked about being confident and and how this team has been playing well, and and they should absolutely dominate DePaul. But like, I couldn't. I don't know about you, but I couldn't help run going into that game. Like, I just felt a little, you know, the tingle on the back of the neck because it's, you know, it's a week off. I saw Sean Jones was out with a wrist injury. Um, you know, we know how terrible it is on the road at DePaul and all the bad experiences. And there was just this momentary as that first half was going on going, oh, no, is this is this is that is this that turn? Um, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. No, go ahead. No, I definitely know what you're saying because, like, even though I didn't really think a loss was coming, I was like, this is what DePaul usually does against right. Marquette is they just hit some wild shots. But I still thought Marquette would have to make some dumb mistakes to lose that game, even even though DePaul was doing their typical stuff, like just hitting some wild shots, overachieving, keeping it close. Uh, I still think Marquette's going to have to play lousy in the second half to lose this game, and it did the actually total opposite of that right right exactly and but but i think what what that really tells to me is says to me is like look again we i i don't know how many data points we need to to feel fully confident that that is it this is a team that will at a minimum put 20 great minutes together at a maximum could put really good to great 40 minutes together against every component uh, opponent they're gonna be in every game um, you know, like you said, UConn, you know, is high on the metrics because when they do lose, they lose close. You know, Mar- Marquette hasn't lost to a, a, a good opponent by more than four points. Um, you know, they they are they're in the fight constantly. And, and when you look at like and we, at some point we'll pivot to the, the games coming up this week. But, you know, we have two opponents that we should be both by the standings and and kind of what we've seen of the product on the floor. At some point, I you know maybe hubris gets the better of you, but but like it we we should start to feel confident that these are games that we should go in and and win and and take care of business, and it it becomes a little more as a fan, it becomes a little more routine. I I certainly don't think based on everything Shaka's said and done and the team's done that the team is kind of you know taking taking a just a routine approach to every game, but. You know, we should we should start to go. All right, these are games that that we should win, and let's go win them, enjoy them, and and how they how how this team plays, and and you know get ready for the tough games. Yeah, the this league has a way of humbling you, so there may be a loss, you know, sneaking around in there that may take us by surprise. But yeah, yeah, you look at the upcoming schedule, and if you look at it on Ken Palm and the projections, Marquette is favored in seven of its final nine games with the road game at Connecticut and the road game at Creighton being the one, the two when they would be underdogs. And then every other game, they are favored by at least seven points. Yep. Yeah. Quite a bit. So like, again, upsets happen. Crazy stuff happens, especially if you're dealing with injuries and if you got, and if you have guys out, which hopefully Marquette doesn't, we'll see what uh, this week brings for Cam and Sean, but yeah, upsets happen, but then you just got to bounce back and let that keep rolling. Like, you know, Xavier is currently tied for first with a loss to DePaul. Like, they have bounced back from that and try to keep fighting forward. Um, but, yeah, the, like, there is every reason to be optimistic that Marquette can win the Big East title. I wouldn't say I would put it at the point that I'd say I am expecting a Big East title, whereas if they don't win it, it would be a disappointment. But... Why can that not be a goal? Like, why can this team saying, guys, 
the Big East title is in our sights. And if we take care of business, we're going to have rings at the end of the year. So, yes, it's it, it's a goal, not an expectation, if that makes sense. Right. Well, and, and as we saw Saturday, I mean, there there can be... There can be bumps, right? Like you know, Cam Jones going out injured in the in the well, he didn't play essentially most of the second half. He got injured in the first half of that DePaul game, but you know, it, it you're gonna run into bumps like that where it's a question of how do you how do you adjust how how do you play it right? We saw Ben Gold get probably I just about not counting. Um, you know, scrub minutes against scrub teams. He, you know, he got the most minutes of the, of 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 his season so far. So you know, the team is adjusting. They're playing different lineups. They played Ben Gold and and Oso Iguodaro together, um, for for about four or five minutes there in the the later stages of the second half. So the the you know the staff is adjusting, and you and you got to roll with that. You got to you you want to hope that both Cam and Sean are you know hey they're nicked up but they're they're good to go and and ready to uh, uh, to go for Wednesday's game, but we also know it's a marathon, not a sprint. They may not be ready, and it's a question of how does the team respond? Um, how do they redistribute those minutes um, so that um, you know so that they can continue to perform at a high level? But you know, if Cam or Sean are going to miss, certainly Cam, you know, not to belittle belittle Sean's role, but like. As minutes go, um, you know his minutes aren't as substantially important as Cam's are. Um, you know if if Cam's missing, you know any amount of time, it's going to take a little bit for that team to adjust, and then you you worry about the knockdown effects, right? If Cam can't go for a week or two, does that mean you know Tyler and Joplin and um, you know, Chase Ross and, you know, and all the guards are getting, you know, even more minutes than they were already getting, right. you know, do they, do they wear out? Do they run down? That sort of thing. So that's, that's the biggest unknown is going forward. I think at this point is not, you know, can Marquette, you know, challenge for a conference title, certainly possible, but how does, how does Marquette adjust to the wear and tear uh, of the, of the season as we go? Yeah, and they were able to do that against DePaul. I think you can beat DePaul with a short bench and a short rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, too many games back-to-back like that, you may start to see some fatigue on some of those legs if you're only playing like six or seven guys. But, yeah, we'll see how they adjust. They did fine against DePaul because, you know, the good news, their legs were probably pretty rested after not playing midweek. Uh, we'll see how that goes in the, the, you know, games to come. By the way, I, I was – like whenever they're like people out – and people either in foul trouble or hurt, I start thinking about how deep can we go on that bench because uh, I start wait who else is back there that I forgot about like but there's not there's not a whole lot of guys left because you know Zach Reitzel they've said he's out for the season after his knee operation right so he's mm-hmm. not playing at all this season and Amarian Ellis is I think is a guy people forgets on the roster but I, I guess he is I haven't heard a peep about him I assume he's redshirting out for the year but like I I haven't heard an update because I don't know if anybody's even asked uh, for weeks because he looked like he had a pretty serious leg injury and I don't think they were counting on him playing this year but have you seen anything about Ellis and if he even plays or practices or I haven't seen anything in that regard I I will say that I think there was uh, some press conference asks earlier in the season like early in the non-conference and they were basically like the intent is to redshirt him so yeah. I, I I don't think that's changing, um, but I mean, 
who knows? I, I like you said, I don't even know if he practices. Um, yeah. So like I I I was looking on the bench to see if he was even like dressed, you know, like if he was even like in a uniform or if he was wearing street clothes. But I, I guess I didn't have him picked out. But um, yeah, I, I'm assuming he is still redshirting. Like you probably wouldn't take that red shirt off if you just got a guy with like a, a minor injury who's going to be back in a game or two. I think it's probably something that would only be discussed if somebody is lost for the season. So hopefully that's not the case. And, you know, Sean Jones went out there and did warm up to test the wrist. Uh, apparently he heard it in practice the day before and um, mm-hmm. or aggravated, I guess they said on the broadcast. I guess he's been dealing with some pain but was playing through it, but aggravated it on Friday. So might just be a day-to-day thing, and hopefully Sean's back in there on Wednesday against Villanova. Yeah, I mean, it's so, I, I mean the the injuries, you know, those things are going to happen. I think this is, you know, probably is probably one of the better weeks for for us to have to deal. Yeah, you know, playing two games. This is probably the week we wanted. Not not that Villanova is a pushover or anything like that, but but you know, you would hope that hey, we don't have to rush these guys back, right? Because we you know, if they need a couple of days to recover, where we're really going to need them is, you know, when we have to go play at UConn or, or something like mm-hmm. that, right? So, like... Yeah, that's when you want to be at full strength is for that. I mean, it's a three-game stretch. You talk about a... It's some kind of sandwich. I don't know what kind of sandwich I would call this, but, uh, you know, when you got Connecticut, Georgetown, Xavier. <laughs> like, that's... Wow. Uh, well, well, it's a four-game stretch, really. you got Connecticut, Georgetown, Xavier, Creighton. Yeah, uh, like like that's I mean that's a four game stretch that's going to decide whether you're going to win the Big East or not. Quite frankly, right, right. But um, before we get to that, Phil, it's this week. And speaking of guys coming back from injury, mm. you're taking on the Villanova Wildcats, who got back one of the big mysteries of the Big East season, and that is Justin Moore. He returned after, as sure many of you remember, he tore his Achilles in the Final Four last year in the national semifinal. Wasn't even clear if he was going to play this year, given where Villanova is in the standings, how it, they kind of look doubtful if they're going to make the tournament. And, like, if they are, they really need to turn it on pretty quick here. Um, and it looks like Justin Moore said, I'm in, let's go. And he did play a, against Providence on Sunday in a loss, though. And I was looking, so it looks like he played 31 minutes, uh, was 2 of 8 from the floor, had 5 points. So I, I did not watch the game. I was uh, watching football on Sunday. But I am intrigued by what Villanova could be with Justin Moore. I, I, I just have no idea what to expect from a guy coming out, coming off of an Achilles tear 10 months ago. Uh, you know, athletes today heal faster than they ever have before. You know, it seemed like, uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago, a guy tears his Achilles, he's gone for a year and a half, right? Like, right. It's going to be right. a long time before you see him. And the guys come back so fast now. Um, and I guess he was cleared to play, and he was on the floor. Uh, had five points in the game. Um, but still, even with Justin Moore, Marquette's going to be fa- – I'll be curious what the Vegas line is. Uh, you know, the Ken Palm line is, what, seven, eight? Oh, gosh, 12. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, uh, I'd be curious what a Vegas line is going to look like, but I don't know. What do you think? Does Moore being back, does that drastically change your opinion of the Villanova game? Does it slightly change? Does it not change at all? I still think Marquette's the favorite. I just don't know how much of a favorite I think they should be. Yeah, I, I think it changes it a little bit in that it it introduces even more of an unknown. 
Um, right? Like Justin Moore is fully capable of of being the best player on the court, right? I, I'm I'm not saying would have been a first team All Big East selection for me if he had played right. the full year, right? And 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 so you don't know if you know. And again, presumably he's been practicing, building up to this, and you know maybe that Providence game is. You know, it's the first game back in nine months. Do you trust it? You know, da 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 da. You know, I I remember. You know, not that Justin Moore and I are on the same athletic level, but I tore my tore my ACL playing basketball and and came back about a year later to 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 play rec sports again. And it and it took me a good you know month or two to really feel like, hey, okay, I can do this without my knee exploding. Um, you know, so you so you wonder if there's some of that that confidence or, or what have right. you that, that, you know, that comes with that, that he's got to still build up. Cause it's, it's one thing to do it in practice. It's another thing to do it in full game speed with, with everything that's going on. Right. Yeah. Cause you're always wondering like if, if, if it's going to sneak up on you again, cause it's not like he was expecting it to tear the first time it did. Mm-hmm. You just wonder like, like, can I trust you back there? Are you going to stay intact while I make this cut or while I try to go up for this layup? Um, and like, even though we've done some light jogging and things like this, it's 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 it. You need that that trust factor, and you need that thing to perform for you over and over again, full speed. Uh, and he's probably that was his first taste of it uh, on Sunday against Providence. And yeah, like my heart broke for him when it tore uh, in, in the semifinals last year. But but the other thing that worries me about Villanova, they're kind of that wounded animal that is so desperate right now. Right. Because they need wins and they need big wins if they're going to have any hope at getting in the tournament this season. And that's exactly what Marquette is, right? Because, like, like Marquette is at the point now that they are the hunted, not the hunter. So teams like Villanova could be like, oh my gosh, finally, we can get a major, major win for our resume and start to build some momentum and try to make the tournament. And Because uh, while they're probably well, well outside any projection right now, they're 10 and 11 on the season, 4 and 6 in the Big East, they have got to be thinking, we are Villanova, we've got our leader back, let's finish strong, let's see if we can, you know, let's see if we can win eight of our last ten games and have a decent-looking resume and go to the Big East tournament and make a little noise because they're, they're fully capable of that because they still have excellent players with lots of experience. Uh, with um, The freshman Whitmore has been very good, and now he's got you know a little less attention on him with more on the floor there. They have guys who have been through this, and Caleb Daniels and Brandon Slater. Mark Armstrong has gotten more playing time with more out, so now he's like in that essential reserve role now with more there. And um, well, I guess maybe, he may be even starting. I guess uh, getting some major minutes, but um, he they have the talent certainly to beat a team like Marquette. The question is. It, it, are they all the way like are they all the way back this soon after they get Justin Moore back because you know time's running short on them and th- so that's the thing I guess kind of worries me I don't know if worries is the right word but uh, it's just I guess I'm a little wary of heading into this matchup with Villanova is how desperate they are and how badly they need this game right absolutely no I I agree and I mean let's be honest the last time Marquette played Villanova. It was a uh, it was a heart attack game that that Marquette won by two at the end, and you know Nova came within you know with a within a a bounce off the basket from tying it up and forcing it into overtime. So you know it's not like Nova hasn't hasn't challenged Marquette this season, or you know Marquette you know won in a laugher. Um, so Nova even without Justin Moore was capable, 
And then you add Justin Moore in the mix, whatever he's going to be at this point. Plus, you know, the wear and tear and, you know, a Cam Jones, Sean Jones nicked up and and maybe they can go, maybe they can't. Um, I think this is going to be one of those games where I, I don't want to go so far as, as to say it's going to humble Marquette because I think they're, they're, they're pretty humble. But I think this is going to be a case where Marquette maybe is going to have to work um, yeah. harder throughout it than uh, um, than they have the last couple of games. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think Mar- I think Marquette's really going to have to fight for this one. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I, I don't think uh, Villanova is not going to roll over here because they need this game so badly. Uh, and it's getting late for them early this season. And this is not a position Villanova basketball is used to in the era of the new Big East. So th- this one, I think, will go down to the end, and it may be within one possession with under two to play. But I, I do think Marquette's going to get enough buckets because that offense has just been so locked in in the second halves of these games this season. Uh, and, and just the way they get in the paint and find a way to make the best play, whether it's just getting in the paint and going all the way in for a layup, getting in there, kicking out for a three, getting it, getting in there to get the defense looking one way and then swinging around the perimeter and you find an open shooter, lobbing up for Oso. They just have so many guys, led by Tyler, who make good decisions on offense, especially when they get in the paint. And so I, that, I, I am confident Marquette wins this game. I would say, it, but it'll be a fight. It'll be all the way to the end. I'll say maybe four or five point win at the end of it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And and I think, again, I'm not, I'm, I think Marquette, you know, just strength on strengths, weaknesses on weaknesses. I think, I think Marquette's got, got the edge, right? Like there's nothing that Villanova does either offensively or defensively that, that concerns me. I think Villanova does a good job of protecting the ball. So maybe Marquette doesn't, you know, get as many turnovers, but you know, conversely Villanova is very bad at offensive rebounding. I think in fact, they're worse than DePaul was right. So, you know, where, where maybe Marquette won't be able to force as many turnovers, hopefully they'll clean up the miss, which is, you know, uh, a rough equivalent to a turnover, right? You've, you've stopped the possession and, and going the other way. So I, I think there's a balance out there, but yeah, I'm a hundred percent with you. I think this is going to be kind of a, maybe, maybe not that dissimilar from, from the game in, in Philadelphia, right? There is going to be a bit of a back and forth affair and, you know, and Marquette maybe has to pull away a little bit late and, and you know, and get a five, six point lead um, and, and hold on to it. But, you know, I think they win, but I, I think this is going to be, it's going to be a fight. And if Stevie Mitchell was to have another career high, that'd be a great day for it. Sure. I, I'm not going to be mad even a little bit. Especially if Marquette's going to be shorthanded at the guard spot. All right, so we got Villanova on Wednesday, and then coming up on Saturday, it is National Marquette Day. Woohoo! Woo. Uh, hey, we're going to have Marquette beer in the building, Phil. Among yes. other things to celebrate I'm that day. I, I, hey, my kids are going to be uh, with with my mother in law. The wife character and I are are going out with friends for National Marquette Day. I will have a have a beer or three of the Marquette Lager. A the seventy seven golden ale shouts to uh, blue and gold brewing. That was an announcement this past week. We we had like, there have been rumors and like hints on social media that that was coming, but the official announcement came last week. Long overdue that Marquette that there was a Marquette themed beer out there in Brew City. Like finally somebody did it, and that has the backing and blessing of Marquette University on top of it. So 
I love that. Uh, I've got to get to Milwaukee myself and try one at some point. You and I will do some kind of beer exchange. Uh, I'll bring yes. some uh, Revolver Blood and Honey from down here, and uh, we'll bring bring some uh, 77 Gold Nail to me. We'll do that. But, yeah, happy to see that. So um, we'll talk about the National Marquette Day festivities uh after this, but let's just talk about the game real quick, Phil. Uh, Butler, um, you know, they have Thad Mata back. They were excited about that, but this is something we said even in the preseason, Phil, was uh, I'm not sure Butler is going to be a great team, and we were questioning whether um, if Thad Mata would bring them back as much as everyone, some people thought they would this year. Like, he's been out of the game for a minute, and boy, Butler has really actually struggled in Big East play. They're 3-9 and nine overall, and not only do they have nine losses, most of their losses are a blowout fashion. Like, yeah. almost all of their Big East losses are by 15 points or more. Um, they, they have one really nice win. They did beat Villanova at home by eight, but their other Big East wins, they beat Georgetown and DePaul. But, I mean, they lost by 22 to Connecticut. They lost by more than 20 to Creighton Providence. They lost by ooh, 25 to Seton Hall. And then they lost by ooh, 21 uh, to Seton Hall this past Saturday. So uh, this is a team that has really honestly had a rough go. I, I think when it comes down to it, I, I think they're probably going to finish below DePaul in the Big East before it's all said and done. Um, uh, what, if anything, gives you any pause heading into the Butler game, Phil? I mean, the literally the only thing that worries me about uh, the, the Butler game is, does Manny Bates go insane, right? Like... <laughs> like I just there's there is nothing on paper or in games I've watched that that gives me even a moment's pause against Butler. Um, you know, I just I don't think they're very good. And and that's not to say they, they can't be good in the future at some point in time. But they're as of right now, this year's vintage is is really quite bad. Yeah, I think um, Bates was a guy Marquette targeted in the portal at least a little bit. Um in the off season, uh, they didn't get him. Of course, he landed a, 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 at Butler. But yeah, he's their big guy. Um, he, he's yeah. He, what looks like he's one of the better two point shooting guy uh, guys in the country. He's pretty good shot blocker as well. So he may try to deter some of the things Marquette likes to do in the paint. Uh, really good defensive rebounder. So I mean, he'll be he'll be a load to handle for Oso and Ben Gold there. But uh, beyond that, though. I, I, yeah, I agree with you. They're, I mean, you look at their offensive rebounding numbers as a team, they're terrible. They're one of the worst in the country, actually. So, I mean, that's good. I mean, that's one of Marquette's biggest weaknesses is giving up offensive rebounds. Um, looks like you can turn them over. They're not necessarily elite in any category as far as field goal or, you know, effective field goal percentage, three-point percentage. Their offense on Ken Palm is rated 159th in the country. Their defense is in the top 100, so it's, it's not bad. Um, so, I mean, they'll give you some effort on defense. But, yeah, I, I just don't see them being able to keep up with Marquette offensively. Uh, you know, if Marquette is able to dictate the pace of this game, you know, get some turnovers, get some easy buckets, and try to get this game, you know, into the 70s, maybe the 80s. I, I just don't think Butler's going to be able to score enough points to get to, to keep up with Marquette. Right. No, absolutely. And and you know, there's there's nothing that says that 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 Butler can <clears throat> do anything to even really slow down Marquette's offense. So again, as long as Marquette um, plays its game, e- even if it's shorthanded a little bit. 
um, it, it should be able to generate offense. Um, and, and if nothing else, just get out and, and, and outscore Butler for the balance of the game. So, um, I, I don't know it, like, like you said, you know, Butler may finish lower than DePaul this season in the standings. And, and that's kind of where, where, where Butler finishes in my, how big, how much worry do I have about them? Uh, category, right? Like I was, I'm more worried about DePaul than, than, than Butler. And quite frankly, you know, I, I'm not that scared about Butler or scared about DePaul. So, so Butler's pretty low on the worry list. Yeah. I, yeah. Again, I, we're, we're, we're getting to that confident cocky zone, but like, why wouldn't you be right? Marquette is legitimately good. And Butler is legitimately one of the two or three worst teams in the conference this season. This, right. is, this is a game you win. I almost put that into what I call the no excuses game. There's no excuse to not win this game. Right. Marquette should win this game comfortably in front of a, I don't know if it's sold out, but it should be jam-packed, loud, full of Marquette fans who are enjoying some 77 Golden Ales, many of them. Right. Well, it's certainly better than the trash Budweiser that's sold. <laughs> <laughs> throughout the Pfizer. So, um, I, yeah. I would love to see the percentage of sales uh, of Golden Ales versus Budweiser on Saturday. Oh, how, like m- how many fans just, just say, look, give me a Golden Ale today. We're skipping the Budweiser. How, how, like, you have to think that they have to have brewed up enough to, like, for because it's National Marquette Day, they have to have a ton of that, of that new beer in, right? Like, you can't bring too much. Right. Like, that you do not want to sell out of that. Right. Exactly. Whatever you're thinking, add a little bit more. Right. Double just, it. <laughs> you, can t- you can always just take it back to the brewery or sell it, you know. You'll just right. t- take it to a local liquor store. They'll sell it too. Sell it on, uh, I'm sure there are places uh, around the Marquette campus that I'm not familiar with anymore that sell alcohol. <laughs> Put them there. Yeah, it'll You'll be sell fine. It. You'll it'll sell It'll be fine. Yeah, you're you're not you're 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 not running running the risk of having to break them open in the street because you can't get anyone to buy them. Murphy's and Calf's post game, they'll sell them for you. Yeah, I'll take for sure. Um, so yeah, feel pretty good about two wins this week. Yeah, again, bordering confidence slash cocky, but again, why not? This team is dang good. They've they continue to put together outstanding performance after outstanding performance. Villanova will be a challenge just because, again, they're that kind of wounded animal that is really desperate and really needs it. So I think they're in for a fight on Wednesday against Villanova. I think they get that one done. But I, I think it should just be an all-day party against Butler on Saturday, National Marquette Day. So uh, against a team that should be overmatched and a, a Marquette team that should have a very loud and rowdy crowd behind them. Yeah, absolutely. They're – all, all the energy should be in the building on, on Saturday, you know, and quite frankly, around the country, right? So I, I think, um, you know, I think it's a, a straightforward win on Saturday and, and hopefully another win on, on Wednesday as well. So we, we could go we could go 2-0, and another 2-0 and week potential. And then we get to go into the big ones. We'll talk about those games on next week's pod. But then, again, uh, a critical four-game stretch begins starting next Tuesday. Connecticut on the road, Georgetown at home. That's the lull. But then you got Xavier at home, and then at Creighton. Those four yeah. games. That's going to determine whether Marquette's going to be a Big East champion or not. But first, before you can worry about that, you got to take care of business this week. This team has given me no reason to think they will do anything other than take care of business uh, this week. So, 
Phil, you mentioned around the country. I did want to give a quick shout-out for, I mean, most of you are aware, but maybe for some of the younger fans, especially the young alumni who maybe aren't as aware, National Marquette Day is a nationwide thing. We have watch parties all over the country. I actually organized the one in Dallas. Um, we, You may be surprised, no matter where you are in the country, how many Marquette fans are where you live. If you live near a major U.S. city, uh, go on uh, – Marquette.edu, go to the alumni page, or they may even tweet out the link, or they may, I think they send an email blast the week of, usually. That'll tell you where the watch parties are in various cities. I was looking at the website today. Lots of them. Uh, just name a few. Boston, Baltimore, Atlanta, Washington, D.C., New York, Charlotte, Chicago, Kansas City, Memphis, Los Angeles, San Diego, San Francisco, Las Vegas. They got a party in Vegas at Circa. 21 and over only there, by the way. But that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. We're in Seattle. Phil, we actually have National Marquette Day parties in London and Paris. Wow. Okay. International. Yeah. I, I sold a yeah, there, there actually There actually are a few international Marquette, uh, National Marquette Day parties. I was surprised to see those. But yeah, if you are a Marquette fan checking in from London or Paris, shouts to you. But yeah, you have a National Marquette Day party you can go to. Check out the website and see the, where all the locations are. Again, I, I organized the one in Dallas. We're going to be in Plano. So um, check the website. Uh, again, go to Marquette.edu, and there is there will be a National Marquette Day link and links for all the National Marquette Day watch parties. There, I, you know, speaking from a person who really hasn't experienced National Marquette Day on campus since I was a student, uh, the watch parties are very fun because you, you sometimes you're surprised, like, wow, there are a lot more, uh, you know, <laughs> Marquette alumni here than I thought. Of course, you know, in Chicago, you're expecting a lot. I think that's probably our biggest alumni group outside of the state of Wisconsin. Uh, but there are also, I've seen, like, pictures from the parties in, like, Los Angeles and Washington, D.C. and Denver. A lot of people attend those things uh, for, for compared to what you might think. You may, like, sometimes here in Dallas, I may think I'm the only person who even knows where Marquette University is. But you go to a watch party like this, like, oh, Crap, there's like 50 people here wearing Marquette gear. This is a lot of fun. So right. go to your watch party, meet some alumni, hang out. You may be surprised who shows up. And uh, you may even see a former classmate show up at these things. And uh, so th they're a lot of fun. I would highly encourage you to go and uh, just go to a local bar, watch a Marquette game. And, uh, yeah, maybe even get, you know, some of them give have giveaways. Of course, you know, it's fundraising, too. Of course, this is what a big part of National Marquette Day is. Of course, they're going to hit you up for some fundraising and donate to the school, Blue and Gold Fund, all that jazz. But it is fun to connect with fellow alumni and uh, just watch it all on the big screen in a bar. So I, I would highly recommend it. Yeah, and it'll be – and it should be a, a game where you can uh, can socialize and, and interact relatively uh, – Carefree without having to, yeah, you know, like a, having to it's share totally the It's totally a stress-free game, and you can just just right. enjoy yourselves and, um, yeah, like, and not to worry too much about the game, like, like being stressed out and yelling at the screen. Just, yeah, hey, how you doing? So, where are you from? What'd you major in? But, and uh, I, I know, um, like, we at all these watch parties, we take pictures of ourselves, and we send them to the alumni group, and they put all those pictures up on the uh, jumbotron at Fiserv. So. I think that's pretty cool that they kind of show people checking in from all around the country and all around the world. So, again, right. shouts to you, those, you folks in uh, Naples, in Italy, having a watch party. Good for you. Yeah, I mean, if I was in Italy, if I was in Naples, I'm not sure I'd be watching Marquette basketball, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> to each their own, I guess. Yeah, yeah, whatever. There's one in Hawaii too. So, uh, I saw that one on the list. Uh, uh, so yeah, let's put again. If you're if you're near a major city, there probably is a Marquette 
alumni group, no matter how big or how small, you know, you, you may show up, maybe there's only like a dozen people there, but still, it's just a nice little get together. But again, some of these larger cities, you may be surprised. You may get 30, 40, 50 people. I know Chicago's a huge one. I know there's a lot of people that, shows up the, that show up to the Chicago one. So check it out and uh, go to your local Marquette, uh, National Marquette Day watch party. Of course, the watch day party in Milwaukee is at Fiserv Forum, and I know that's where you're going to be, Phil. Yeah, absolutely. Going to be at the game, going to pregame, going to postgame. Uh, it's going to be a game, and we're going to have fun and, and connect and, and you know connect with new, new Marquette friends and reconnect with old Marquette friends. So it's, you know, and this season there's a lot of positive to talk about, right? Like that's it's, – it's a good time to be a Marquette fan. So let's, let's get together and celebrate. Hopefully one more step towards a Big East championship. One game at a time, but they are, they're, they're climbing that mountain. They're just uh, chipping away. So we'll hopefully get, take two more steps this week. Phil, is there anything else you wanted to touch on before we wrap this puppy up? No, I, I think we've covered it all. You know, go 2-0, and 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 then let's get prepared for the week after. And I guess the last thing is, Joneses, please get healthy. Get healthy, guys. You know, you could have my wrist if it'll help, but I don't think my wrist would help. Right. So. I've, I, I, my, my, my hip's perfectly good. If, if Cam needs, needs one of those, I'm, I'm, I'm willing, you know, if it, if it leads to where I think this season is leading, I'm more than happy to, to give it up. All right. Get well soon, guys. As always, you can hit us up on Twitter. I am Joe McCann three. Uh, Phil is M O O O F 23 at crack sidewalks is the team handle. Go to cracksidewalks.com. We post a podcast there. You can leave comments on cracksidewalks.com. and please remember to rate review and subscribe Apple podcasts and Spotify. Have a happy national Marquette day. One more step towards a big East title. Have a good week, everybody. Seashells and balloons. <laughs>